Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. Właściwie to są dzieci mojej dobrej znajomej. Będą robiły u nas chórki i striptizy. Musicie się tylko dobrze bawić, reszta pójdzie sama. Dobry wieczór bardzo szanownemu państwu. Przed państwem córki dancingu. Dwóch syrenek. Chciałam pokazać się z najlepszej strony. Zmienić coś, zmienić. Zwrócić uwagę, zwróciłam wszystko. Szum, szum, szum samochodów i ulic. Zawrót głowę, zostajemy, nie ma mowy. Szum, szum, szum samochodów i ulic. Zawrót głowę, zostajemy, nie ma mowy. and gentlemen and welcome back to Inside Movies Galore. I am your host David Streggy and here in the room I have the Inside Movies Galore crew. Hello everyone. How is everyone doing tonight? Doing well. I am here. <laughs> so because this is a film that Jake has been waiting for us to uh, uh, get uh, get. Uh, two, why don't you tell us a little bit about the synopsis of the film, and uh, what was your reaction to the film when you first saw it, and uh, did you just recently watch it again, or? Yes, um, okay, so, um, it makes it sound like I've been waiting on pins and needles for this. No, I could throw it out in discussion, and, and it seems like a popular idea, but... <laughs> um, I had no idea what it was, so if you're responsible. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a film that actually Brandon and I had found when we were doing our uh, advanced previews videos a few months back, and we saw the Criterion had a movie coming out that looked fascinating, 
Um, it's a Polish film uh, from 2015, so that, of course, took some comment from us, because we don't believe Criterion needs to be putting out 2015 releases already. Um, but basically, the gist of it is it is a very loose take on Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid. But it's done in such a way as to be very clearly anti-Little <laughs> Mermaid, both the Christian Anderson version and the Disney version. And, uh, and on top of it, it's a horror-tinged musical set in the 80s. So you have lots of 80s-tastic synth music. Um, and the first time I saw it, the whole time I'm sitting there going, what have I got myself into? And simultaneously, this is awesome. It was like one of those, you know, I didn't know what to make of it. And I really watched it to prepare for this because I did have to get it on this month's Criterion sale. And I think on second viewing, some of the pieces do fall into place. But it still is a strange, messy film. <laughs> <laughs> you think so, huh? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, since I've heard from you, uh, Katie, uh, why don't you tell me? Was this a first-time watch for you? Um, yes, this was a first-time watch for me, and I think it's probably my first Polish musical. Um, <laughs> so that was interesting, and um, I didn't know what to expect going in. I had no idea. Like I had no idea this was a Criterion release. Um, movie, so I just didn't know what to expect, um, and I was pleasantly surprised. I think I'm I'm tiring of the mermaid storyline in general because it's just, a mermaid is just not a creature that I've ever connected to for any reason. So I think um, for that reason, I didn't love 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 the movie, but I really liked it, and I think I want to watch it again because I think. Um, a second viewing would definitely help with this one. And I also thought that I might like to listen to the music without reading the, like, goofy translated um, subtitles for it. Like, I thought I might connect to the music better, just not, you know, reading the English version of the lyrics. Um, so I want to go back and do that, and I just haven't had a chance since I watched the movie, but um, I, I liked it overall. I thought it was very entertaining and I enjoyed the sort of the nightclub cabaret setting uh, quite a bit and like the performance aspect of the story um, and I thought it was a really um, interesting metaphor I guess for kind of what we see um, in you know toxic masculinity and misogyny culture you know how um, that relationship between well, I think it was Silver and the, the was. bass player guy. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of parallels, like to uh, you know, Me Too and and just like I say, general like toxic masculinity. How um, you know he demands this woman change herself. Uh, you know, basically, like I don't I don't love you the way you are. Like not good enough. You know, work harder and make it better, and then when you do, I'm going to reject you anyway. Like, it was just a very interesting take um, on all of that. And like I said, I, I'm not super big on mermaids. I think I would have enjoyed it had it been any creature. Like, it was a vibrant movie um, that I, I thought was different, weird in a very European way. So I'm interested to hear what everybody else thought. Speaking of color, um, and I know... Is a good term. Yeah. Speaking of color, and I know you like the color schemes, what did you think of the color schemes behind the film? Uh, I thought it was really, it popped for me. There was a lot that I enjoyed about the visuals in this film. And I think it was, I don't know, sometimes just the way certain scenes were shot um, that really, I don't know, they just, they popped in a way that felt, um, I don't know, European, I don't know, like, I, I, I'm thinking of, you know, the Italian movies that I like so much, and how they're kind of shot in, in a certain way, it's really hard for me to explain, 
I just don't have the exact terminology in, in my mind of how I want to explain it, but um, yeah, there's just something about it that feels artistic in the way that it was shot and like the, the colors that they use and the, just the scenery, the setup. Like I said, a nightclub and mermaids, like interesting pairing, but it worked. Okay. Uh, Dustin, um, why don't you tell me, uh, uh, was this the first time watch for you? Uh, I like how we watch some unbelievably obscure foreign film and you ask everybody, is this the first time you saw this? This was the first time I've heard of this. Like, ah! Um, but, uh, yeah, this was the first time I saw it. And it was, uh, well, let's see, what hasn't been said already? It was very bizarre. Uh, I, I want to say either vivid or lurid. It's hard to tell. Uh, like, the music was really cool. I, I enjoyed that part of it. I was kind of confused a few times because it's like, wait, when is this supposed to be happening? Like, I would get mixed up a couple times. Supposedly, uh, this is supposed to be happening in the 80s. And yeah, that makes more sense with um, with the setting that we saw there. Like, it was it was basically a musical, too. I mean... Um, Believe it or not, some of the storyline was supposedly uh, supposed to be reminiscent of the director. Um, uh, the director was actually female, by the way. Yeah. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, the, uh, uh, the director's name is Agnieszka Nozinska. And evidently her mother was an immigrant, and she evidently had to work her way through cabarets. Um, so she somewhat loosely based some of the uh, lifestyle uh, that the mermaids uh, went through on her mother's lifestyle, whereas the writer Robert Balestro or Balestro, um, he kind of based the two mermaids on two friends of his that would frequent bars in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, did you did you notice anything about the surrounding background like you sometimes do? Uh, I noticed there seemed to be a lot of, there was a lot of detail put into most of the sets, mm -hmm. uh, and there's a good use of color. Uh, one thing that kind of, I'm sure somebody else is going to touch on this too, but one thing that sort of kind of bothered me, uh, I'm trying to figure out like a delicate way to say this, like, our characters looked really young, and I was kind of uncomfortable with like how my, often they were nude. <laughs> <laughs> That's a European thing. <laughs> well, I know it's a European thing. That doesn't mean it's still not kind of weird. <laughs> the one that played Silver was born in 1990, and the one that played Gold was born in 92, so they were young, but... Did anyone so notice how in every scene somebody was smoking, too? That was a lot of smoking. <laughs> There was a lot of use of cigarettes and like really um, loud burning cigarettes. I kind of like that. Actually, that was the eighties and Europe. <laughs> totally and Europe. Uh, Everybody smokes in Europe. <laughs> Red Raven. Uh, I, I know this sounds like a stupid question, but uh, was this a first time watch for you? Yeah, it was, and I thought it was really bizarre. But for a foreign film, I thought I, I found it was easy to watch because there wasn't so much dialogue; it was more music. And usually, in more foreign films, there's a lot of dialogue, so you kind of have to read fast. <laughs> so sometimes you miss stuff, and in this one, there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue, so it was easier to watch. Okay. And uh, what were your thoughts on the film? Uh, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it overall. I thought it was really bizarre. It was, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. But um, I like the concept of the mermaids, and the whole storyline was neat, I thought. Okay. Was there a particular favorite scene that you could pick out that you entirely enjoyed? Um... I don't know, not that I can think of. Okay. So, I'm uh, going over to Brandon. Uh, why don't you tell me, was this a first time watch for you, or was it a rewatch? 
actually, this was a first-time watch, though I discovered, I picked it up in the Criterion sale um, uh, the, uh, this last time, but apparently I'd also picked it up the time before and not realized it, <laughs> um, which, uh, which benefited at least one person. Um, but it was one that looked interesting, and one of my favorite musicals is most people's least favorite musical, which was Repo, the Genetic Opera. And uh, this had, that. yeah, and this had a lot of feel of that—that that sort of darker tone. But it's also mixed with the feels of a lot of other ones, sort of like uh, even She Creature with an almost carnival tone. Okay. I uh, I personally love the music and, and uh, design when mixed together. Though the story, I wasn't, uh, of course, I've never really been a fan of the mermaid story because it's a really tragic tale, if told correctly, and not, not Disney's Little Mermaid. Um, <laughs> and, of course, uh, with this, I knew it was going to end in tragedy. That's just how, it, how anything of this type goes. But uh, otherwise, I was very impressed by the film, and as far as initial viewing, I was glad to see it. And uh, I myself, um, when I picked it up uh, a couple weeks back uh, in preparation for uh, this particular discussion, um, I, I watched it then, and I just kind of glanced uh, through just uh, just to remember certain parts before I went to, uh, uh, before I came on tonight. And uh, my thoughts on the film: uh, it was definitely very visual. Um, as far as um, when I see, uh, seen um, mermaids' tales, the most uh, <coughs> most real life uh, looking mermaid has, uh, was uh, was in fact uh, one of them in She Creature, um, uh, uh, but uh, also in uh, Disney's Pirates of the Pirates. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. <clears throat> but I also, uh, I also remember the Hans Christian Andersen musical uh, where they told it in the story of the ballet. Uh, so, to me, seeing, seeing uh, those uh, uh, when the guy threw the water on their tails and it, they just literally took up the whole room. <laughs> They were basically sea serpents, yeah. In fact, um, um, the director actually refers to them as sisters of dragons. Um, in her in her thoughts on you know themes uh, with the film. So, to, uh, to me, is seeing how large like they were, or at least when you first. Uh, see them in uh, see them in their full extended tail natures. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was different. As far as the, I mean, it, as far as the music uh, uh, went, I thought the music was uh, lyrical and pretty. Uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure how to describe um, some musicals by nature. I. I I felt like some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, songs could have been a little harsher, maybe. Uh, uh, could have been, uh, been sung with more uh, more intensity. Hmm. <laughs> for, uh, for some reason, I felt like the uh, the music was soft. Uh, I don't know, uh, know how to describe it, but uh, I. But did anybody notice how, like, every time they were singing, they were, like, staring right into the camera? Like, it was so intense. It almost seemed like the singer was the focal point, staring into the camera, and you were just moving around, and everything else was, like, a, a scenery in the background. I would agree. 
I wonder if that was partly a function of the way they did it, because if I understand correctly, I think this is one of the ones where they actually performed live while they were filming, which maybe being more focused on the camera and by extension the sound equipment, that might have been something they had to do, but it definitely did give it sort of an intensity in terms of visuals, too. Yeah, I felt like it was really stylistic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read a lot of user comments on IMDb, and the lyrics take a lot of flack, and I have to agree that if I knew Polish, I'd have a better idea of what the lyrics were actually like, but the song sounded great, I thought, you know, sounded really good. Yeah, I think we just lose uh, lose the nuance in the translation. Yeah. You know, we're getting a literal translation that just I don't know. I think it's a it's a language barrier thing for me at least, where I yeah. feel like that's why I don't connect to the lyrics. Well, I really to sit back and and do and listen to the uh, to the music without looking at the translation. Uh, right. I really need to watch a film like that multiple times because on the first time I'm constantly reading, 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 and there's a little bit lost in the uh, in the visuals and all of that. But after I've got the gist of the story, the next time I watch it, I can take more time to pay more attention to what's going on. And, then, and did Eddie, uh, did uh, any uh, one of you that knew of the film uh, beforehand uh, know that the original title was actually Corky uh, Dancino, which yep. means the daughter of a dance. Hmm. Uh, I was wondering how that translated. Okay. Made sense. So, uh, I'm curious as to um, what that translation means in accordance to the film. Possibly because um, maybe it, 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 the film somewhat had to do with dancing. Hmm. Because not, not only did the, uh, the band play music, but they also danced to it as well. I loved the choreography of the numbers in the movie. Like I was really drawn to that as a burlesque performer. You know, there was a lot of that... Um, burlesque sideshow um, cabaret style performance in yeah, the movie and it did have I was that into that. It. it did have that burlesque type feel to it. Um, did uh, oh, absolutely did uh, you uh, so you think that uh, the film would benefit from a dubbing of some sort, like uh, an English dubbing? <clears throat> no, not necessarily. I think I would just. Um, like to watch the movie and not pay attention to the subtitles when the music is playing. Like, I think I can get enough out of the feeling of the way um, the music is being delivered that I don't necessarily need to read the lyrics word for word. I think that threw me off into feeling like the music was cheesy, exactly. which is why I feel like I really need to go back and watch it again and just not focus on that for the music and just more um, get into the feeling of the music because it felt powerful to me, but um, I think, like Red Raven was saying about when you're having to read subtitles, you know, there was, there was a disconnect for me reading the subtitles of the lyrics of the songs and feeling like they were weird, like not I guess not like how I'm used to interpreting American song lyrics. Um, so it seemed like some of the lyrics were out of place, and so there was a disconnect for me there. I think I just need to take the lyrics out of it, like reading lyrics out of it, and just enjoy the music, and it will make more sense to me and be more cohesive. Okay. There is one song lyric, though, that caught my attention the first time, and I saw it again this time. And I may have mentioned it in the run-up to this movie. I can't remember if I did or not. But it amused me so much. If you look at this through the idea of this film is sort of thumbing its nose at the, little, the Disney Little Mermaid, among other things. It really is taking that story and turning it on its head. The, the fact that there is that scene between Golden and the policewoman where they sing the line, I'll take you to Disneyland. 
I just thought that was hilarious that they threw that in there. That was kind of different. What did everyone think of the uh, poli uh, police uh, uh, woman who had uh, come across the body of the intended victim of uh, Golden and followed uh, her to, uh, shall I say, confront her? There was a couple ways that I could interpret that one. That one was like... Because I was trying to figure out, do the mermaids actually have power to seduce? Or is it just that people are mesmerized by their voices? Well, because I feel like the cop really got seduced pretty quickly. Well, like we were saying before in our sea creature discussion, um, there isn't that much difference between a mermaid and a siren. Mm -hmm. And a siren is a, cre a creature that has, has, can come from land, but also has been able to come from the sea and lure men to them by singing or calling or some kind of a noise. Uh, in, which, in, you know, which makes sense. And um, if you twist, it's just, if you twist that with uh, that, uh, what uh, and what you know of a mermaid, and make the two one, a and uh, where where she also is a creature of the sea, can sw uh, swim uh, uh, swim along with the fishes, and then come onto la uh, land as well and seduce men the same way that uh, that in stories that we see from uh, from sirens. You know, I can see it that way. What about you? Well, I was wondering then, right. how come she, how come Silver struggled so much with the bass player guy? You know, like, he, she was not able to get him to love her exactly as she was, you know, seducing him to that or whatever. Was she purposely not? Or... Does she not have the power to? I believe it's because she was beginning to fall in love with him. And uh, throughout, uh, whereas he was not. Uh, you know? But, he, but why? If she has that power, why can't she make him? Because. Maybe she didn't want to. Yeah, that's, that's that was my question. That that was the one thing that was I, I wasn't sure about. It like didn't make complete sense whether or not they had that power. Because like I said, that cop got seduced pretty quickly. She seemed pretty agreeable there after about three minutes. <laughs> to me, it kind of it kind of goes back to uh, to like um uh, like in the story of Aladdin and, and uh, the genie. Like uh, like rule number one: I cannot make people fall in love. It, it it just not it's just not possible. <laughs> you cannot mess with free will uh, to, uh, to, uh, to me. So, uh, so uh, when when he did not want to, you cannot make a man fall in love with you. You know, you uh, just like many. Thank you so much for being a siren or a mermaid. Then there's a difference. The, where's the benefit? <laughs> there's a difference between mesmerizing someone, hypnotizing them, glamouring them, something like that. And actually affecting their heart, you know what I mean. So, like, if sure. all you need is to lure someone into the water or lure someone into a bed or whatever, that is that. Yeah, I'm wondering, is that where it stops? Is that where their power ends? Yeah, when it comes to matters of the heart, the, uh, the heart is a many layered. Uh, but she couldn't even lure him to sleep with her. He wouldn't stick it in a memory hole. <laughs> that was an, he said no. That was an interesting. Uh, <laughs> Excuse my mermaid vagina. It's kind of gross. Like at the beginning, like those guys are just like, so is that it? And they just like stick their hands in it, like right away. Dustin, what was your uh, what was your take on the club owner, the older gentleman in the film? <laughs> like what the he was creepy <laughs> although then again it's kind of hard for me to tell people apart sometimes so I may have uh, I may have trouble recognizing him but if if that was that guy it's like uh, uh, unethical I think it's a 
Yeah, no, I got that vibe too. Like, I, I wanted to. This was this was Poland, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, because I, I tend to kind of think of that whole area as just like homogenous, and so it's like you know why are. Uh, I'm trying to not say I think every Eastern European, like, businessman is, like, a mob member in my mind, but, uh, apparently I just... It's a stereotype, Dustin, it's okay. All you know of the Eastern European man is the stereotypical mobster. (laughs) What were your thoughts of the the club owner, um, uh, Katie? Uh, probably just the right amount of sleaze for me. Um, <laughs> I've, I, I don't have to deal with too many sleazy club owners, but I feel like it fits the, the whole, what they were going for. I mean, because essentially, uh, these girls got taken advantage of, these mermaids, you know, and kind of everybody was sleazy around, uh, their business practices with them. Um, so I felt like he was kind of like that, just that right amount of sleazy, I don't know, a greedy kind of guy. Well, what's interesting is that uh, one of the themes of this uh, film is that Smozinska, uh, um, he likened the mermaids to immigrants, abused by the locals used in the sex industry on their way to reach their goal, which was America. So... Yet another metaphor. He added that they represent innocence and yet their odor and slime recalled <laughs> They menstruate, they ovulate, their bodies start smelling and feeling different. So. Ooh, shit. <laughs> what, a, what a thought to pause on. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what were, um, Jacob, uh, what were your thoughts thoughts on the uh, club owner. Um, what, what did you think of this character? Has anyone seen the movie Downfall? The Intergun? No. I've seen that clip that they play over and over again online. There's a YouTube meme on it. Hitler in the bunker talking to his lieutenants. Bruno Gantz plays Hitler in the movie. The club owner reminded me of Bruno Gantz as Hitler. It just... It, it, it just the small man with the floppy hair and the bad mustache and just and honestly the sleaze factor was part of the reason why <laughs> but he seemed a much more decent fellow obviously but <laughs> um, and actually before this started I did watch some more of the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the deleted scenes that they have and he has a couple more scenes in that one um and he's an interesting character. Um, it, definitely, there weren't very many people in the movie that I would really necessarily want to know personally. <laughs> Most of these people were a little... Yeah. But he seemed like, you know, a typical businessman in that world at that time, if that, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um... Brandon, why don't you, uh, uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, character of the club? Well, I mean, I thought, I thought to myself when he started coming in there, my first thought was, uh, so this must be an illegal operation or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> or at least something slimy, because that's how he came across. As, of course, the movie went on, and uh, you, you learned that they're basically being uh, forced to work for free, basically. Well, yeah, be, uh, because he's giving the money to uh, to the uh, the band uh, uh, later. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, and then of course, just the general fight that happens at the end of the movie. It's just uh, to me, he comes across as every bit the stereotypical, um, you know, club boss, sort of like. Uh, so like De Niro's character in Casino, except maybe not as charismatic. Mm-hmm. Maybe De Niro's character in Casino after he had become a, a lot older and more jaded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Two more subjects I'm going to ask about. Uh, the first is the uh, um, 
the scene where it makes you think that, you know, after the, uh, 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 the um, band leaders have rolled up the uh, <coughs> girls in rugs and thrown them over the sea uh, when it makes it look like they die somehow. What yeah, that, that kind of, can, that surprised the shit out of me. It's like, wait, did they just kill them? Like, <laughs> it's a foreign film. They do this sometimes. All right, fine. What the hell? <laughs> that would have been a very abrupt way to end it. <laughs> so, um, we, that would be Dustin's thoughts. Uh, what were your thoughts on that scene, Red Raven? Um, I thought, like, at first, you know, they were going to die, but then I'm like, wait, they're mermaids. They, they're not going to die, like, you know. Okay. Um, I just thought it was bizarre. I was like, what are they trying to show here? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and then all, <laughs> all of a sudden, they're standing in front, uh, in fr uh, front of the uh, club again, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Katie, uh, what did you think of that scene? Uh, I don't know. I just felt like it was a it was a connecting scene to the next thing because it it felt like it was would have been too abrupt to end things there. It didn't make logical sense that they were gonna die. So it felt like that was the transition to I don't know. Now they've basically been discarded by these people. Now what's their next move? You know, how are they gonna approach? They're gonna come back. You know, this is going to change their relationship now with these people. Do you think that maybe that was a thought of theirs that, that we were seeing, possibly? Uh, 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 that, uh, that they wanted to happen, but it didn't? I'm not sure I know what you mean. Well, um, they were rolled over the, uh, the uh, side and cast aside, but then all of a sudden we saw them uh, dead. Could it be possible that this was a thought that they had that had passed like them. a dream sequence or something yeah. or something? I think that's what he's saying yeah I, I guess I didn't that that wasn't my first thought I guess I didn't uh, see that as being uh, a dream sequence or whatever but um, I just felt like it was a transition point um, to show how the deterioration of their relationship to these people okay. and and kind of where things were headed Okay. And I thought it was hilarious how they actually took him out. I mean, these creatures have been shown to be uh, extremely powerful, and yet uh, the club owner just punches them out. <laughs> like, the right way to come back and just, like, kill him. Jacob, what did you think of that? I admit, I thought that was kind of a weird myself. Um, and... I don't know that I have thought of it as potentially being a dream sequence. I guess I look at it as more like actually happening. But, um, yeah, it's, it was kind of weird. And maybe it was just kind of showing, because if I remember correctly, I think that was where the relationship between them and the band really took a, a turn. And... That could have been sort of like like someone was saying, sort of them being cast aside, and then they showed back up like that. Eh, we're not done yet, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, one last remaining character, uh, Triton, uh, who uh, who is an interesting character, which uh, Golden uh, seems to take a liking to. Um, what did? Uh, 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 what Dustin? What did you think of the character of Triton? I thought it, I was. Wasn't he a mermaid, a mer creature too? Yeah, he he just tr like transitioned to a human somehow, cut his horns out of his head, I think, and cut his tail off or something. He had all the info on what happens to you if you, uh, if you transition to a human. Yeah. Well, for all I knew, it could have been a dream sequence. Um, so I just wasn't sure if he was actually there or not. Um, at least after that had been brought up. But uh, I thought it was kind of nice to have something there to, like, tell the stakes. For, like, you know, you have to kill this guy. Do it. Right. Right. L lay out some of the rules of being a mermaid and how that all works. And this. So that we understand it. 
Or at least being a mermaid in that particular weird universe. Right. Which, everything else was pretty different, so at least they had some clarification. So I think he was more of a, a plot device. Yeah. Uh, but, uh-huh. you know, the character was cool when he showed up. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the character of Triton Katie? Uh, pretty much the same thing that Dustin just said, yeah, that he was uh, the reason that, you know, we needed we needed somebody to give us some history on these mermaids and, or, like, how how this works now, because clearly um, Silver was interested in becoming human and, you know, what what was going to be, what was going to be her sacrifice to get there, and, you know, these warnings that she had been given about, um... You know, if she were to, to cut off her tail, she'll lose her voice, and it ends up happening. Like I guess she didn't really believe it, but um, yeah. So I feel like that was the purpose of him is to give us some of that information. Okay. Um, Jacob, what did you think of the character of Triton? Yeah, he, he definitely. Um, most of what they say is. What, what I thought, like he was, he mostly was there for exposition. He did allow Golden an opportunity to show a little bit more of herself independently of Silver, you know, where she joined mm-hmm. his, his band for that little punkish number that they did, um, <clears throat> which was, you know, a little bit of that edge you were talking about with the music. Um, <laughs> um, one thing that I didn't notice until the second time around. Was I think it was the first time that Silver smoked. It was like that older woman gave her the cigarette. Okay. And she said something about you'll lose your voice, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, it's Ursula." Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going, "Sort of interesting." But yeah, Triton was definitely the main one, and so yes, he was important for context. He definitely did help. He did feel a little more expository than he probably needed to, but, yeah, it was was interesting. Okay. Uh, Brandon, what did you think of the character of Triton? Actually, I thought that he was a fun character, and I... I actually thought that he allowed for Gold to be more than just this... Uh, inhuman monster type character that she ended up you know, portray- being portrayed as this you know creature that's here purely to prey on humans and uh, you know eat them. <laughs> uh, it gave her more more of a voice, uh, so to speak, as well as the uh, as well as what everybody else said. But that's that's what I think that could go on top of that. I think she helped, I mean, he helped with the character development of Gold. Uh, Was there anything else that anybody else wanted to add? Um, How how old were the girls supposed to be? Because there was that one scene where the girls stood up to them and said, you know, why can't we go outside and play like normal children? You know, making it seem like they might have been younger than they were. I don't really know how old they were. I never got a clear sense of that. Well, I mentioned that earlier, that they looked, like, ridiculously young, and, I mean, I guess it's just a European thing, where everybody looks ridiculously young, but... They look ridiculously young, but uh, they were supposedly years old as mermaids. Yeah. And again, you're supposed to kind of represent sort of like innocence and... 17th century old. Was that what that flashback was? Was that that what that scene was in the beginning? Uh, Because it was a little little fuzzy. At least it was like animated. 14th to 16th century, actually. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, the opening sequence? I didn't even think of that as a flashback. Hmm. Wasn't that opening sequence animated? Yeah. I was talking about the beginning, like, where they're singing. Oh, Oh, that's just how they got found by the band. Yeah. Okay. That's who those people were. I have one question, because I know most of the people here are much bigger horror fans than I am. Um, 
Um, how did everyone think of the practical, the horror aspect, the practical effects and whatnot? I haven't really heard anyone mention that. Oh, the effects were great. Like, yeah, they were very decent. I thought that little scene in the beginning where they uh, did the first transformation with the tail, mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. I definitely th uh, th uh, thought that was entertaining, and then I thought that uh, the the song where they uh, they uh, they were first introduced, where uh, where their tails were in that punch bowl looking th uh, thing. That was my favorite scene in the movie. That, that uh, fir their first performance. That effect was very cool. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, uh, to to show uh, show the, uh, them as mermaids to the club patrons. Mm -hmm. uh, that way, that uh, that was that was entertaining. So I wonder, I, I wonder what the crowd would have uh, would have been like at that point in time if it had actually been the eighties. <laughs> you know, because it, 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 you definitely would think that you know all, all of a sudden just back to, uh, to, to see this see this entertainment. So that, would they would they consider it a freak show or entertainment? Or both? <laughs> I think they I responded to it as entertainment. Yeah. They were not treated like in that in that last movie where it's like a, an attraction at a carnival or something. They were definitely treated uh, like a perform you know performers, and it was a performance. And whether or not the people actually brought into the fact that they were really mermaids or not, they were entertained. And I think that was the, the general theme of um, what they were doing. They were bringing in the crowds and it was almost like they set themselves up for their own failure too because um, at, at one point after Silver can't sing anymore, the cubs, cub owner's like, oh, we only want duos or whatever. The people only want duos now. Like, you basically set a precedence, and now you can't live up to it well, anymore. Uh, when they were good, when they were entertaining, they were sheltered, because they, uh, even though they were, uh, they, uh, they were um, bas uh, basically uh, not given the money that they were making, they, uh, they were still taken care of while, yeah. while they were entertaining, you know, and once... When she could no longer sing, uh, sing, and I thought one of the uh, more, you know, more uh, gruesome parts of the film was when she actually had that surgery. Oh, uh -huh. yeah, that was messed up. What was that? You saw an above uh, scene where where th this human girl was sitting, uh, was laying there with her bottom half, uh, uh, you know, totally off, and then they take that drill and then they uh, they cut her half and sew it onto that girl who I think ultimately ended up being that recording artist that uh, dude met. That was like weird. Like did that girl like volunteer? Like I wasn't really sure what the hell was happening. Yeah, yeah that was a either. <laughs> like yeah, did they just kidnap her or like did she get did she get to trade and get to be a mermaid or you know, did she get the other half? Or did, or did she actually uh, sell her bottom half for a certain sum, you know? <laughs> uh, it, it, we, we don't know whether she did that either, you know? That, it, it, it could have been Some like, unanswered questions. It could have been like a black market research experiment. Like, we're going to graph the tail on you and see if it takes. Then we'll give you this one. <laughs> no. Could have been all you got. Uh, you got to do is possibly die. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just that easy. Just uh, uh, let's just uh, cut her in half and uh, sew this half over here, and just make uh, hope. Uh, hope to God that the skin pigment work. And after she gets her new human lower torso. Uh, and finally gets to have sex with her true love, he gets grossed out by a little blood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. It was a jerk. I thought it I thought there was like a teeth kind of thing going on. I like I thought she had somehow like injured him and I was like, oh no and it's like oh wait. 
No, he's just rubbing up on her surgery blood, you know? Yeah, I mean... At least let her heal first. Right? Uh, it, it just, he is a huge jerk. It, 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 takes, uh, it takes a male to fan at the side of blood. Well, and again, just a very accurate metaphor for, you know, toxic masculinity in our culture. How, you know, women will go to the ends of the earth to change themselves for a man and then they'll still get rejected. And it's all all about, and he's still got, you know, within her lifetime, he still got to be happy. I mean, he died right after she died, but, right. you know, she, she wouldn't even kill him because she loved him so much. She spared him and let herself turn to sea foam and... As far as that dude is concerned, he was going off and marrying this other chick, and he's, you know, happily ever after. So, well, uh, what's, what's interesting, <laughs> that's when it comes back to this, uh, 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 this Disney anti-ness, uh, because uh, you realize that uh, it's golden and silver that is at a wedding party. And uh, they're watching him marry this uh, this other chick. Well, that ha uh, that happened in the Disney's Little Mermaid. You know, almost. Uh, but Ariel found her voice back, whereas here, you know, he actually did marry her. And of course, in the original tale, she did turn into sea foam, which... Uh, yeah, that was going to be the actual. Yeah. Which I thought was one of the really cool things that they did, having sisters instead of one mermaid. Because it gave them the opportunity to show the original ending and then say, uh, -uh this is how it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, uh, one thing that was touched on, which was the whole dream uh, concept, I felt like, I don't know if anybody else felt like this, but I felt like most of the movie felt surreal and dreamlike. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, so sometimes there were sequences that you had to wonder, was this really happening, or was this a dream? And that was one of the things I thought was unique about the film, was that surreal nature, that unreality. I think that's what I liked about it. Uh, that was a big theme that I noticed, too. It was just, it was hard to tell, it was really just hard to tell what was going on a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. Yeah, was there anything else that anyone else wanted to uh, say? I thought, their, I thought their creature design was pretty cool. Like, and they were, when when they would kill people, like, it was genuinely like, ugh. Because uh, normally, normally stuff like that doesn't get that kind of reaction from me. It's more like, oh, neat. But this time it was just kind of like, eh. Well, and uh, it was more in the sense of that they would uh, just go for the jugular uh, instead of a sense of their hands transforming into something or mm -hmm. uh, arms or uh, what, uh, whatever. Um, uh, did Golden go full mermaid when she killed that couple in the car? Or? I think she did because she came out of the car full mermaid. Hmm. That's what I thought. Uh, so, in a sense, they almost have to be uh, transitioned into that mermaid uh, body to kill a person. Well, she didn't at the end. You know, with this no problem. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, you don't exactly have to be a mermaid to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, alrighty. Well, um, did any, uh, did anyone think that we covered everything? Yeah. Um, uh, there is sort of a related thing I'm, I've always wondered. So, you mentioned this was a Criterion Collection release. So, mm -hmm. why does the Criterion Collection sometimes do release films like this? Like, just bizarre foreign films, or, like, how do they automatically get put into the... Criterion Pantheon. Well, normally the Criterion releases uh, often have <laughs> have a history of. They're supposed to have historical significance to film or be like 
influ really influential, but there I've seen a handful of more or less brand new movies just get right onto the Criterion Collection. I'm kind of wondering mm -hmm. how that happens. Well, this yeah, bothered by that on a regular basis because usually the Criterion was originally meant to be a great film that bared, that that had some bearing of study, uh, especially for other people who were interested in making film. They could have an edition that had a full analysis going that they could utilize uh, to understand where the other filmmakers were, what they were doing, and how they could have gone about to make something similar. Uh, that aspect is more lost when you try and release something right away. Uh, so I don't understand their, I do not understand their reasoning in releasing right away these days. Uh, it did boggles me. <laughs> this one had uh, been released uh, in Poland, I think, a year or two before it got an American release, and it hit the festival circuit for a year or two before it got an American release. But Criterion, I think this is the first physical release in America. And, yeah, they have bonus features. They, this is not the skimpiest set I've seen from Criterion. Um, but... Yeah, it would have been nice, especially because this is the kind of film that's probably going to end up with a cult following. It would have been give it five or six years to marinate and let that cult get going, you know, and then you'd have some more fun stuff to add, you know. And this has been one thing we often talk about on the channel. It's like, uh, <clears throat> you know, but for comparison, the two Criterion Blu-rays I watched in the last two weeks, the way you could watch all the special features, read all the special features, probably in two hours. Rebecca, there's so many, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> you know, it's huge. Um, but incidentally, I wanted to ask, did anyone read the essay that came with the release? If Is I had it, I would have. Hmm? I would have if I had it. The essay that came with the release? Yeah, yeah Arrow, um, Arrow and usually Criterion 2 include, um, like, a mini booklet with, like, an essay. Okay. And those are always worthwhile reading, even on the new releases. They that would be the inside booklet of the thing? That would be the inside booklet of the thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, a little insert. Okay. Um, it's usually it's usually about twenty to thirty pages, but most of the pages are just like a paragraph and a picture. Open this up, and it's one, two, three, four, five, five and a half pages. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and it was written by Angela Lovell or Lovell. But there was an interesting little comment in there that I was going to insert when we were talking about the surgery. That was like. They said that it was like she was on the ice like the catch of the day. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting disturbing thing. Mm. <laughs> uh, um, sometimes I think with film writing, people uh, people project a little bit too much. Right. It's like, oh, she's on the ice like the catch of the day. It's like, was that actually intentional? Or did you just think that was funny? Or, yeah. Artistic film people are a little bit like scientists, where they look at things like uh, very coldly and reptilian <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> In some, uh, I mean, some scholars are very scholarly. You know, they're very bookish. So uh, when you think of the uh, uh, when they can say something that you know that descriptive and morbid and w without blinking an eye you know uh, <laughs> it makes you wonder about people sometimes <laughs> but, yeah um, alrighty so um, I think we're going to end it on that note um, uh, so uh, um did you, uh, Brandon, want to tell us a little bit about where uh, where you're from and what you do? Uh, yes, um, my name is uh, Brandon Farmer. I, I run a channel called Septum Sin vs. the World. Uh, we are a movie-oriented channel, which is primarily focused on physical releases. 
uh, physical releases of most media, uh, be it uh, games, music, books, but mostly movies. And uh, we have had a, another top 15 that is coming out that I have mostly finished editing and unfortunately can't do anything with because we have a lack of internet. But <laughs> when we do get internet back, uh, there will be a number of videos coming to coming to the future. But the top 15, uh, matter of fact, I'll let Kotobuki Jake uh, tell you all about what that is coming up since he was involved <laughs> and initially suggested it. <laughs> okay. Kabuki Jake, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, I'm Greg. I'm also from Central Virginia. And uh, the, um, the one that he's talking about is uh, it's a direct follow-up to the last one we did, which was the 15 anime that need an American release. This is the ones that really need a re-release. Like, they, either the company that put them out before went under and they never put out, and no one else picked it up, or it just was a a pricey series that for some reason the distributor was like, yeah, we don't want that one anymore, you know, so. Alligator. What's that? Alligator. Yeah, I would have. I remember that anime. I could see that coming out on an Arrow release. <laughs> I think it's best run. Because it doesn't technically Lionsgate own Alligator. That's what the last DVD is from. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. The, uh, the Lionsgate probably has a lot of odd <laughs> choices. I think but, American Psycho as well, because the, yeah. the Blu-ray they have for right now, like, it's got some decent stuff on it, but it's mostly pretty, pretty mealy. Yeah. So, yeah, the, um, and we have other ideas, ones we want to pull with, and Criterion Releases is one we plan to do just in time for the November sale. The, you know, with the very distinct rule of nothing within five years, like nothing that soon. <laughs> but um, the, uh, as far as my own channel, I actually did post two more videos last week. The very short, um, actually, best you might like into those is this little sneak video. Oh, uh, yeah. You know. I saw that. Yeah. So that's always a. Uh, because Brown Snake, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep that one going, but I'm very lazy about working on it. But uh, and, uh, we will, we do have a feature with Dustin in it uh, for one of the videos. Uh, should it ever get posted? Oh, cool! I made it. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, so they wanted me to. You guys wanted me to start doing some videos where I just sort of. So most of my stuff comes from wherever I find it, like around Milwaukee. And I found some pretty cool stuff over the years, and we thought it might be a fun idea to, you know, take something off the shelf, you know, talk about where I found it, you know, what it is, what makes it cool. And I did, like, a little, uh, what, three, four-minute thing where I talked about um, the first items I found when I moved here. So, but that's uh, the video I did for Septum that's going to be in that larger thing. Okay. Uh, pickups. <laughs> Alrighty. So, um, Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, I'm Katie Cadaver from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm a body positive horror artist and alternative model. You can find me on Patreon and Instagram at <laughs> P-R-D-E-Y-E-0-P-E-N. I'm also the makeup artist for the horror punk band Rat Bat Spider. You can listen to them on Bandcamp, or you can come and see them this Saturday, August 11th, at Frank's Power Plant. At 9 p.m., they're playing with the Slurs and Voice of Addiction. Um, I am also a dead girl for Decker's Dark Coffin Classics Horror TV Show. You can watch episodes of the show at vimeo.com slash ddcc. And I believe a dead girl will be at the all-night flea market in Wheaton, Illinois. And I believe that is August 18th, so coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll have to get more information next week for the show. Um... And I am also a performer and producer for Grindhouse Tees Burlesque Productions. You can find us on Facebook at Grindhouse Tees. And I will also be performing this Friday with the Cream City Cabaret. 
um, at 9 p.m. at Frank's Power Plant for the Flesh Trade After Party. Oh, yeah, I still need to go see that. Yeah, you better get in there because tickets are selling out for that, like, every night. So it's really popular. So go see the Flesh Trade at the Alchemist Theater. I really need to get to see you one of these nights. It's just I work, I work till 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, I will keep announcing all of my performances right here. So if you can ever make one, that's awesome. All right. Uh, Red Raven, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> I'm Red Raven, and I'm from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and I book shows in the Milwaukee area. And I'm also a dead girl at Dead Girls Dark Coffin Classics. Are you planning on uh, when Hart Fisher has his second uh, film fe uh, festival? going to that since that is uh, yeah yeah i'll check that out definitely and also i'm planning on being at the the wheaton flea market uh on the 18th cool uh dustin why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do well i'm dustin uh, i live in milwaukee and collect horror related anything i can find uh i show my stuff off on instagram uh, dhr hunter all one word I'm supposed to be an editor for Inside Movies Galore, and have been struggling desperately to get a review done. Uh, but, yeah, well, we're going to look back on all these, you know, oh, I can't get it done, and laugh eventually. Because <laughs> you'll eventually uh, get it out. <laughs> uh, I also started, um, I also started do being a guest on a pop culture podcast whose... Name I never remember, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, and uh, my name is David Struggy. I run this uh, 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 this um, podcast inside Movies Galore, and uh, I also blog at Movies Galore of Milwaukee, which I have put on hold for right now because I'm working on video reviews lately on Inside Movies Galore, so that I can uh, so I uh, so I can work on some of my voice talents and remembering uh, the film as I, as I watched it kind of thing. Uh, but um, also, uh, Russell Massacre uh, has been finished. I have viewed a rough cut of it and my review is out on Inside Movies from our channel. So please definitely check my review out. Um, it mentions a little bit of my relationship with the director and uh, what I thought. As somebody who's watched the review, it's, uh, I believe you've already released it, if I remember correctly. Yep. It was a fun review. Uh, I did. Uh, I actually look forward to seeing it. <laughs> and um, uh, for other uh, things, I know I'm working with Dane on a couple of, uh, a couple of projects, but now my producer talents are up in the air for right now until I get some projects done. So um, uh, definitely check our channel out. Uh, please let us know um, down in the comments below what your thoughts on the film were, if you have seen it. And uh, um, look forward to more uh, films that we, uh, we discuss here on Inside Movies Galore. Everyone say goodnight. Good night. Good night, everybody. Does anyone want to... Uh, wanna, uh, make a noise like a mermaid would uh, uh, <laughs> No. No. I don't want to do it. I, I don't. I can't do <laughs> those sounds. Okay. They use like whale noises this time instead of like dolphins and weird bullshit. Like who's gonna miss whale or something like that? <laughs> Alrighty. Whale. Oh. Alrighty. Night all. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. 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 <laughs>